Loving Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the opportunity to fellowship with you. It's always a time of refreshing and a time to receive power and strength. Lord, please fulfill your word in our lives because you have said that if any lack wisdom, that if we ask of you, you will give to us. Now Lord, we lack wisdom. We are indeed as little children who not not who know not how to go in and to come out. Therefore, Lord, please be our guide. With your word, we pray, Lord, that you would direct us and may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, and give me grace to speak words that will bless your children, that all of us may walk in the path of righteousness. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, July 5. What an epitaph! Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Many who started out in life with as fair and promising a morning in their limited sphere as Solomon had in his exalted station through one false and irrevocable step in the marriage relation lose their souls and draw others down to ruin with them. As Solomon's wives turned his heart away from God to idolatry, so do frivolous companions who have no depth of principle turn away the hearts of those who were once noble and true to vanity, corrupting pleasures and downright vice. Solomon flattered himself that his wisdom and the power of his example would lead his wives from idolatry to the worship of the true God, and also that the alliances thus formed would draw the nations round about into close touch with Israel. Vain hope! Solomon's mistake in regarding himself as strong enough to resist the influence of hidden associates was fatal, and fatal too the deception that led him to hope that notwithstanding a disregard of God's law on his part, others might be led to revere and obey its sacred precepts. Let the sad memory of Solomon's apostasy warn every soul to shun the same precipice. The greatest king that ever wielded a scepter, of whom it had been said that he was the beloved of God, through misplaced affection, became contaminated and was miserably forsaken of his God. The mightiest ruler of the earth had failed to rule his own passions. Solomon may have been saved as by fire, yet his repentance could not efface those high places nor demolish those stones which remained as evidences of his crimes. He dishonored God, choosing rather to be controlled by lust than to be a partaker of the divine nature. What a legacy Solomon's life 
has committed to those who would use his example to cover their own base actions. We must either transmit a heritage of good or evil. Shall our lives and our example be a blessing or a curse? Shall people look at our graves and say, He ruined me or He saved me? Amen. The title of our devotion for today is What an Epitaph. An epitaph is something written down or a monument put for the dead. And we all are going to have an epitaph. But what epitaph would that be? What is it that we are going to be what is it that we are going to leave behind for others to see? Are we going to leave an example that will make people to go in the right direction? That will inspire them with courage and hope to press on on the narrow way? Or are we going to leave an example that will make people to turn away from the right way and to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? Solomon's life indeed is an epitaph. But what an epitaph is it? It is indeed. It is one that is not a good example. He started out well, but he was led astray because he loved many women. Reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter, and brought her into the city of David, until he made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Now, our key text for our devotion today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Beginning of Solomon's downfall is not in his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter. As much as that marriage actually seemed to be even good because Pharaoh's daughter converted to worship the God of Israel. That is not even the problem. That is just a secondary problem. The main problem is the first statement written in 1st Kings chapter 3 verse 1. It says, "And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt." That is where the problem is. If not for that affinity, he wouldn't have even known Pharaoh's daughter, not to talk of having affection towards her, a misplaced affection, and then thinking of going further to marry her. The Bible is clear on this point, that we should not make friends of the worldly people. Was Pharaoh a godly person? Did he worship the God of Israel? And some of us will ask ourselves the same question. And you wonder, am I to have only friends that are godly people? The answer to that question is very obvious. The answer is yes. Because as we usually say, and it is true, a man is known by his friends. If you can feel comfortable having affinity towards a person who is not a worshipper of God and who does not regard him, and yet you have affinity to such a person, then that is the beginning, beginning of your problem. The Bible records that Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh king of Egypt. If not for this affinity, the remaining part of Solomon's life in marrying Pharaoh's daughter and marrying many other women that brought him down to a very bad state and to be indeed an epitaph of evil 
wouldn't have happened. But because of this affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that's where the problem began. The Bible counsels us that we are not to make evil people our friends. And what do we mean by evil people? You know, some people think that, oh, for you to be evil, oh, you must be like Hitler, killing six million people. And today they want to say, oh, Putin, Trump, all this kind of, that's what evil is. Oh, no, you are mistaken. That's not what evil is alone. You think that the one who kills, that is the person alone that is evil. No. In fact, the person you are to fear the most is that person who seems so amiable, so nice outwardly, so good and very cultured, but yet rejects God. That is the most fearful person. It is not the man who outrightly makes it clear that he is a hater of God or who you know is a rogue and who is a killer and a murderer. That is not the one who you should even fear the most. The most fearful are the people who look so cultured, so civilized, so nice and courteous and polite and they look so good outwardly. They have that winning um, and amiable disposition but yet in their practices and in their teachings and in their likes and in their dislikes it is diametrically opposite to the word of God they are the most fearful people and one would say oh I have friends that are like that that your friend is a fearful person if they are that kind of people who know the truth and yet will not follow it but yet they look also cultured and civilized outwardly then they will be a very good tool for Satan to use to win people over to his own side Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh. That was the beginning of his problem. Who are you making affinity with? Who is your friend? The nominal conversion of Pharaoh's daughter to worship the God of Israel was only a deception for Solomon. Solomon then thought that he was at liberty to marry other women. And he used an excuse that many use today. I'm trying to win them over to God. And then he felt that by marrying the women from other nations but that was a deception he was deceiving himself why couldn't he try to win them over to god without marrying them it was a deception and many people do the same today they call it marriage evangelism if you want to evangelize the people then leave out the instructions of god it is a very huge presumption for us to think that by disobedience we'll win people to god some people go to evangelisms and what do they do they go and disobey god in the name of trying to win others to Christ. How can you by disobedience win others to Christ? Solomon thought that by marrying other women, which was an outright disobedience of God's word, that he would use that means to still win people to God. This is exactly the same sin that King Saul committed. Exactly the same. No difference. That he thought that when he disobeys God, that he was going to use it as a sacrifice unto the Lord and to pacify God. If God says, oh, why did you disobey me? He says, oh, I brought the sheep and the lamb to sacrifice to you. Oh, why are you marrying women that are not godly? Oh, I'm marrying them because I'm trying to convert them to you. So that as if he's going to pacify God because you said you are doing it for his sake and it's not for your sake. And really, is it for God's sake you are doing it? When you are marrying, when people go about, them just them not limited to marriage. But doing something that the word of God says you should not do, but yet claiming that you are doing it for the glory of God. This is the same sin that King Saul committed. First Kings chapter 9, reading from verse 1 says, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire was, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. Remember that the Lord appeared to him at Gibeon, asking him, What do you want me to do? Now Solomon, the Lord spoke to him that time. Solomon now built the temple. The second time the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord said unto him in verse 3, He says, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. 
I have hallowed this house, which thou hast built, to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, in integrity of heart, and in uprightness, to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. Verse, nine, verse 6, God now said, But if ye shall at all turn from following me, you and your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all my people, among all people, and at this house which is high, every one that passeth by it by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why has the Lord done thus unto the unto this land and unto this house? And they shall answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them, and served them. Therefore had the Lord brought upon them all this evil. Amen. My brothers and sisters, what do we learn about God here? You see, you cannot pacify him. There's no act that we do. I mean, when I say pacify him, I mean by evil acts. You cannot point to your past righteousness as a reason for God to neglect your present sin. God told Solomon beforehand, yes, you've built a temple. I have honored the temple. But just know that anytime you turn away from me, though I won't say, oh, because you did so much good in building this temple, then I will respect you and will not bring about the destruction of Israel or I will not destroy the temple. God says, even this temple that I have put my name in it, if you disobey me and go into idolatry, I will bring down this temple to the point that anybody who is passing by will say, why did the Lord do this to this temple? And they will say, it is because they went into idolatry. My brothers and sisters, as we start out in our Christian journey, do not think by any means that there is any amount of evangelism you can do. That there is any amount of good act you can do for the Lord that will make him to turn his eyes away from any evil that we do. Who are we? Does he need us? No, he doesn't. He's the one blessing us. We cannot do anything that will say, oh, I helped the Lord to do this. It is only a privilege that he's given to you. It's just like a little baby who comes to the kitchen when the mother is cooking. The mother can do everything for herself. But just so that she will have the joy of including her child in the work in the kitchen, she gives the child just one activity to do. And when the child is doing that activity, the child, when the child was not born, the mother did that activity herself. She can do it. She can be self-sufficient. Even when the child was born and couldn't do anything, she was taking care of that child and at the same time doing the work in the kitchen. So if the child is growing and then he's giving or she's giving responsibilities and then you are just washing a plate and whatever and you think that you are helping God and because of that, therefore you need some payment or whatever, you should better know that the Lord does not do things like that. He can do without us. And if we, like the Lord says, go into worshipping other gods, he will also turn his eyes away from us. Solomon turned his eyes away from the Lord and disobeyed God by marriage. First Kings chapter 11 verse 1 says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. It doesn't say woman now, not just one person. Women. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, 
Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go in to them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burned incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Wow, what an epitaph indeed! Because these high places that Solomon built, they were very much. It was not just one. And where was it? In Jerusalem. Where in Jerusalem? In the hill of Jerusalem. What is in that hill? Just close to the temple of the Lord. That was where Solomon built these temples and idols for these gods. How many wives? 700. How many did he build for? The Bible says that he did likewise for all his strange wives. First Kings 11 verse 8. And likewise did he for not some, all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. So these women, they wanted to keep serving their gods. Solomon pleased them and built their gods for them wherever they liked. And so they would go there and they would worship and Solomon would follow them. All the wives, he would follow all of them to worship their gods. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He didn't just build, but he also worshipped those gods. Imagine Solomon, whom we have been talking about, the wisest of men. But how did it happen to Solomon like this? Solomon started to trust in his own wisdom. Conflict and Courage, page 192, paragraph 3. Solomon flattered himself that his wisdom and the power of his example would lead his wives from idolatry to the worship of the true God and also that the alliances thus formed would draw the nations round about into close touch with Israel. Before I continue the reading, let us analyze how this applies to us. Solomon flattered himself that two things. One, his wisdom. Two, the power of his example will lead his wives away from idolatry. You see, example is actually a good power. He felt that by showing them his example of worshipping God that they would join him. But we have to live by faith. The word of God had already said concerning this matter in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7. Reading from verse 2 down to verse 4, it says, And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them from before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods, so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Wow. Solomon thought that he could go against this word 
and that through his example, what the Lord had said would not happen. What is it that the Lord said? The Lord said, don't marry them. If you marry them, you won't change them. They will change you. Solomon said, hmm, I think I'm very wise. I know how to go about it. I can marry them and instead of them changing me, I will change them. Good luck trying to go against the word of God. Let's see how it turns out for you. But I already know how it will turn out. It will turn out the same way it turned out for Solomon. You will will be found to be a liar. Solomon tried to go against this word we just read now, thinking that he could do something and go against God's word. And what do you think will happen when you do something that the Lord said you should not do and then you get the results that you wanted? How will that affect you? It will only make you bold in sin. And you won't stop at that. You will go into other evils. Solomon's mistake in regarding himself as strong enough to resist the influence of hidden associates was fatal. And fatal too. The deception that led him to hope that notwithstanding a disregard of God's law on his part, others might be led to revere and obey its sacred precepts. End of quote. You see, just because we don't immediately see the evil consequences of going against a plain thought, says the Lord, does not mean that the thing is not evil. Solomon did not see the danger in marrying Pharaoh's daughter, but he married other women, added to Pharaoh's daughter. For a time, it was well, but in his old age, Satan succeeded in using these women to turn him away from God. Solomon became self-confident, and even he himself said in the book of Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11 to 13, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear for his name, but it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. What does it mean to fear before God? It means to follow the word of God. You know, when we look at the life of David, we realize that what happened to Saul, what to David was that he left the principles, the stronghold of principle. There are barriers that the Lord has placed to protect us. One of the barriers is this one that says we should not marry strange women. If we see it as old, we need to understand the reason why God said something and not just to take it like we should not do it exactly. When we understand the reason, we will know how to go around it. You know, that's how some people reason these days. So they say, mm, the reason why God said you should not marry the unbeliever is because they will turn you away from himself. So the fact is that when we understand the context in which God made the statement, then we will know how to carry out the command. So that means the real problem is them turning us away from serving God. Therefore, you can actually marry them when you understand beyond every reasonable doubt that they will not turn you away from serving God. Because the real issue is about them turning you away from serving God. You see, that's how Solomon reasoned. He did not follow the plain thought, says the Lord, but went into the results, saying, So, since this is the result God was trying to avoid, therefore I can do it as much as I can know another way of avoiding the result. I heard of some evangelists who, knowing the word of God, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and knows that they are not supposed to eat certain kinds of foods, went into an evangelism claiming that their whole desire was to win over the people and then the people gave them unclean food to eat and they ate it and after eating it, they took charcoal to nullify the effect of the evil thing they ate of the food that defiled them and said we understand why God said we shouldn't eat unclean food so we took charcoal and therefore it has nullified it. Really? 
Oh, the wise man now has gone around God's command and is feeling smart. The child has grown now and is correcting his father. That's what that is. The word of God is plain. It is not for us to say, I know how to go around it and avoid the consequences which the Lord was trying to make me avoid. I can watch the movies and it won't affect me because the reason that the Lord is saying we shouldn't watch movies, I understand. It's just this and that. And the music too, I understand. And even the cinemas, I know why we are not supposed to go there. It's not really that going there is bad in and of itself. It's not really that sitting down to watch a movie is bad in and of itself. It's not that having friends that are not godly is bad in and of itself. It's just if you can protect yourself, if you know how to relate with them, you know, create some relationships and then know a way to avoid it. You see, that's the kind of reasoning that Solomon had. And many today are having that same kind of reasoning. Their wisdom has surpassed the one of God. But eventually, like Solomon himself said, it shall not be well with the wicked. Just because you do not see the consequences of going to that evil immediately doesn't mean that it is well with you and shall be well with you. Eventually, you will find out why God said you shouldn't do what you did. Solomon eventually found out his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter was disobedience. It is not the consequence that is the issue. The marriage itself was disobedience. He should have stopped at that. He shouldn't have ever even gone into that to start with. But even though he has gone into it, he should have repented and stopped at marrying Pharaoh's daughter. But he went further and married many more strange women. We cannot go against the plain thoughts, says the Lord, and hope for good results. If it appears to be successful, then it is only a bait. The influence of Solomon's act leaves an example of evil for many today. We are told in Conflict and Courage, page 192, paragraph 4. Let the sad memory of Solomon's apostasy warn every soul to shun the same precipice. The greatest king that ever wielded the scepter, of whom it had been said that he was the beloved of God, through misplaced affection, became contaminated and was miserably forsaken of his God. The mightiest ruler of the earth had failed to rule his own passions. Solomon may have been saved as by fire, yet his repentance could not efface those high places nor demolish his, those stones which remained as evidences of his crimes. He dishonored God, choosing rather to be controlled by lust than to be a partaker of the divine nature. What a legacy Solomon's life has committed to those who would use his example to cover their own base actions. We must either transmit a heritage of good or evil. Shall our lives and our example be a blessing or a curse? Shall people look at our graves and say, He ruined me or He saved me? End of quote. This tells us that we should be careful what legacy we leave behind because we must live one. It is left for us to determine what that legacy will be. Solomon loved many women, but then he later understood how bad this his decision was. In the book of Ecclesiastes 7 verse 23, reading down what he said, All this have I proved by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. Wow, what a true confession. Solomon said, I will be wise. And in saying I will be wise, he tried many experiments, but he himself confessed, it was far from me. It was a failed project. And he continued and said, that which is far off and exceeding deep, who can find it out? I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly even foolishness and madness and then he confessed and i find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands whoso pleaseth god shall escape from her 
but the sinner shall be taken by her. Behold, this have I found, said the preacher, counting one by one, to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand have I found, but a woman among all those have I not found. Such a sorrowful confession. A woman, he said, among all those whom he chose, those strange women, he said he couldn't find one, one of them. And he saw that they were the ones that brought him down. And he confessed, whosoever pleased God shall escape from her, but a sinner shall be taken by her. Who is that sinner being referred to? It is he himself, the preacher. This passage does not mean that there are no good women in the world. No, you can apply it to the women that Solomon married. He said he found more bitter, more bitter, more bitter, think of it, more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. And you can apply that too. Even for women, you can say the man whose heart is snares and nets and his hands as bands. Whoso pleased God shall escape from him, but the sinner shall be taken by him. What is it that is you, that you are placing your affection on? Who are the people you are placing your affection on? Is it like Samson who said to the Philistine woman, I said about the Philistine woman, she pleased me well? Is that what we are placing our affection on? If that's where our affection is, then we are that sinner and the Lord will not protect us. We need to turn our eyes away because only those that please God, the Bible says, will escape. We need to please God in our hearts and not look at the the, the, the strange women and the strange men and our affections are placed on them because we'll find out later on that they are more bitter than death if we go in that direction. Solomon saw it and it is not just in the issue of marriage. Although the one of marriage is a very important one, many people ruin their life through the choice of the person that they marry. When they have once made that choice, the rest of their life they say is history. They, go, they keep going down, down, down and never do they recover because the person we marry can make or mar us. Marriage can determine our eternal destiny. And even though Solomon escaped, not many escape. Through the marriage relation, many are destroyed and Satan knows this. And he unites people in marriage whom he knows that once they are united, the rest of their life history is already set in stone. They are never going to make it to the kingdom of God because he knows that he has united people who are going to destroy each other. And like I said earlier, it is not just in the matter of marriage. Solomon's problem started with him going against any of God's commandments because that's the principle of this issue here. When we think that we can go against an injunction of the Lord, thinking that, oh, we understand why God said we shouldn't do this. And because of that, we then go against what God has said, expecting that we are doing it for the glory of God. You go to do it to a work claiming that, oh, the money I'm going to get from this work, I'm going to use it for evangelism. But you know that that work, that work you're going for, is not one that God is honored with. It is something that is not good. You steal and you say you want to use it for God's work. You, The thing that God asks you to do, like in the case of King Saul, take away everything, destroy. And he said, no, I'll, re- I'll leave some of it for God's work. No, when we disobey, we cannot use our disobedience 
and the results of it and say the end justifies the means and say oh because the results of this my disobedience is something i want to do for god therefore i'm justified no we are not justified we must do things exactly the way the lord said it especially in the case of evangelism solomon was evangelizing and thinking that he could use a method of evangelism that is not sanctioned by god's word but he was feeling like mm. as far as i can get the right results even though it's not sanctioned by god's word god will be happy with me because the results i'll get out of it is good he tried it first with pharaoh's wife pharaoh's daughter and it worked the result was that pharaoh's daughter came to worship god and he felt more confident in doing evil because he had once gone against God's word and he did not see any evil consequence. We too, if we start to break the barriers, we are told, don't spend time alone with a lady, for example, unnecessarily, unprovoked, you do that. And then you go there and say, nothing happened. You will do it again and again and again until you finally fall into sin. And then there are other counsels that the Lord gives to us and we know the consequences. The Lord saying, don't do this. And when we do it and we realize that, oh, what God said will happen if I do this did not really happen to me. It only builds in us a confidence to sin. But be careful because that thing you are doing that you think there is no consequence. Solomon's case, it is when he was old that they turned him away from God. If you continue in that wrong course of action, going against the plain Thursday is the Lord, thinking that you will always get good results because you've always been getting uh, results that were favorable before and the reason that the, the consequence that the Lord said would be for that particular act has not yet come to you. You are now filled, like Solomon said, the heart of man, your heart is now fully set to do evil because you tried it the first time and you saw that there was no evil result. Beware. That is what Solomon's life is telling us. Beware. Do not go in that direction of thinking that you can go against God's word and because you saw that, oh, I disobeyed and nothing happened. Then you do it again and again and again. You are making a mistake because like your case may not be like Solomon. Many cases, 99 out of 100, do not rise up after making such a huge mistake. Let us therefore be warned, be warned not to presume to disobey God thinking that you are doing it for his glory. Let us pray. Thank you, loving Father, for the warning that you have given to us today. As your word has said that these things were written for our learning, I pray, Lord, that we shall learn from this life of Solomon. Help us, Lord, not to presume to disobey you with the excuse that we want to glorify your name. Help us, Lord, not to be a, um, to have any affinity towards people of the world. Help us, Lord, to make friends of God's children. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.